From the studios of EWTN, this is Open Line with today's host, Father Wade Menezes. In North America, call toll-free 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985 or send an email to openline at EWTN.com. A tremendous Tuesday to each and every one of you. Thanks so much for tuning in to EWTN's Open Line. Father Wade is in the house, ready to answer your questions on faith, family, and fellowship. Just give us a call at 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. If you're outside the United States and Canada, we'd still love to hear from you. That number is one 205 Two seven one two nine eight five, and we'll even put you straight to the front of the line at one two zero five two seven one two nine eight five. And you can always send us an email. That email address is openline at ewtn.com. I'm Jack Williams. Ace McKay is our celebrity producer today. Your call screener is Matt Gubensky and Charles Beery handling our social media efforts. So if you're watching us on YouTube or Facebook Live, you can type a question into the chat window and it may find its way to us by the end of the program. And our host is he is every Tuesday, Father Wade Menezes. How are you? I'm doing great, Jack. In to the house here at Kentucky uh, as of Friday night from yeah. two weeks on the road preaching. And I go out again this Friday to Old St. Mary's Basilica in Old Town, Alexandria, just outside of D.C., for a week-long parish mission there, so I'm looking forward to that. And uh, today I'm in the house, so you should You should have taken your gear and set up in the confessional for this. <laughs> no, 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 no. Canon law says no, definitely on that. But I do want to talk <laughs> about confession today. Well, Jack, if that's the case, Jack, would you be the first one in line? <laughs> Look, you, I, I, I've, I've been—no, I'm not going to say that. Um, <laughs> I would, Father. I would. <laughs> well, I, I would have to graciously decline you doing that because I want to protect the inviolable seal of the beautiful sacrament of confession. But I want to talk about 10 ways that confession sets us free. You know, remember, my friends, that uh, all of you listening out there, that confession is one of the two sacraments of healing along with the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. Of course, we have the three sacraments of initiation, baptism, confirmation, and Holy Eucharist. The two sacraments of union and mission, which are at the service of the populaces throughout the world, a matrimony and holy orders. Matrimony for the gift of physical life and uh, holy orders for the gift of the spiritual life, from whence the sacraments come to the individual. But as far as the two sacraments of healing, we have confession and the anointing of the sick for the body-soul composite that we are, right? And I want to talk a little bit about confession today uh, in regards to 10 ways that confession sets us free, a wonderful article by Father Ed Broom, and uh, I've given it about a year and a half ago, but it's so good I want to repeat it. I think it's appropriate, especially during this penitential season that we call Lent, right? Uh, before I get into those, those 10 points of how confession sets us free, and if we don't finish up, we'll finish up when we come back from the break, I want to say this. Uh, Pope Benedict XVI once said, quote, Holiness does not consist in not making mistakes or never sinning. No. Rather, holiness grows with the capacity for one's conversion, one's repentance, one's willingness to begin again, and above all, with the capacity for reconciliation and forgiveness, end quote. In other words, uh, today is a new day, right? 
Today is a new day. God's mercy is abundant, and he wants to forgive you for whatever sins you have committed, mortal and or venial. All you have to do is ask for his forgiveness with a humble and contrite heart. And that's exactly what the sacrament of confession, the sacrament of reconciliation, the sacrament of conversion is for. There is so much hope for us who do sin, right? Sacred Scripture tells us, quote, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. End quote. Romans 8, 2. Chapter 8, verse 2 of Romans. So, knowing more about yourself, that is, growing in self-knowledge, will help you work through your struggles and sins and vices and grow in holiness and virtue. So you can find the peace, healing, happiness, and exciting relationship with Jesus Christ that God has planned for you from all eternity. And this truth leads us to some 10 ways that confession sets us free. But before I get into those, Jack, I want to give a call order to any listeners out there who are watching or listening uh, this live hour. Have you returned back to active, actual participation in the church by returning to the sacrament of penance, holy confession, after a many-year lapse or a several-year lapse? If so, and you're still active, I want you to call in today and give a witness call of what returning to confession and thus returning to the Eucharist has done for your life. Because remember, those are the only two sacraments, confession and Eucharist, that can be received over and over and over and over again. The other five cannot. The other five have some stipulation imposed upon them uh, and cannot be received with a lot of frequency. Uh, But confession and and Eucharist can, right? Uh, And so if you had a lapse in the church, in your actual active participation as as a living member of the church, for whatever reason, you don't have to confess what that reason was, all I want to know is how has returning to confession affected your life? after a a several or many year lapse. You're the one I want to call in today to give a witness call, to have your voice ring out through the airwaves, to serve as a witness to so many others. So number one, 10 ways that confession sets us free, by healing, right? What cancer, leprosy, and disease is to the body, sin is to the soul. And Jesus wants to heal our moral wounds, whether they are venial or mortal. Number two, by freedom from slavery. Confession helps reverse the slavery of sin and communicates true freedom, the freedom of sons and daughters of God, to break the bonds of our bad habits, our powerful addictions, our bad impulses and actions. We need a powerful remedy, and holy confession is it. Number three, by moving from confession to peace, right? Another negative effect of living in sin is a real lack of peace and living in a state of constant confusion. St. Augustine defines peace as, quote, tranquility of order. Sin, per se, is disorder. One of the goals of confession is to order the disordered in one's life. Number four, by freedom from a conscience filled with guilt is how confession sets us free. Certain histories have shown that people have gone insane, literally, and have even been driven to suicide due to a guilty conscience caused by sin. Don't let sin in your life have the upper hand. No, obtain moral freedom and joy and renewal and healing from the sacrament of confession. Number five, by joy. I just said joy. Rejoice in the Lord. Always again, I say it again, rejoice. Joy is one of the 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit. Let's not forget that. Sin produces sadness in the soul. Only God can give us true joy. For this reason, St. Paul tells us in Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord. I say it again, 
rejoice in the Lord. Number six, Jack, by benefiting from the paschal mystery of our Lord Jesus Christ from death to life, does confession set us free? If we have the misfortune of committing a mortal sin, we lose the grace of God and his friendship. However, we should never give in to despair. Despair is the worst of sins. Rather, like the prodigal son in the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 15, we should return to the home of our loving father and launch ourselves into his loving arms and he will forgive us. Let the paschal mystery of Jesus Christ, his passion, death, resurrection, and ascension into heaven, lead you from the death of sin to the life of sanctifying grace. Number seven, by acting as a creative preventative medicine, Confession is like a medicine that heals the wounds of our souls, right? That can't be forgotten. Confession can also serve as a means to prevent future falls. If we commit a mortal sin, then we should go to confession as soon as possible. Even the frequent confession of venial sins can serve as a remedy to prevent us from falling into the spiritual sickness that we call sin. Number eight, by serving as an act of humility to crush your pride. As a result of the original sin, we are all infected with the capital sin of pride, and so we are often motivated by pride and self-love. Making a good, reverent, and holy confession can help us to grow in that virtue that is essential for holiness and so pleasing to God. Humility, the virtue of humility. Number nine, by fostering growth and self-knowledge, we've already talked about that. Another huge blessing that flows from a well-prepared and well-confessed confession is the increase in one's self-knowledge, knowing what virtues to advance in and what, virtu- what vices to root out. For this reason, the Desert Fathers had a short but extremely important axiom, quote, know thyself, end quote. A person who examines his conscience well and frequently and confesses his sins well and frequently will definitely grow in self-knowledge. By knowing oneself well, that is, one's virtues as well as one's sins, he can avoid falling into future sins. I'm a big advocate, as you know, Jack, of monthly confession. And number 10, by fostering fervent and efficacious Holy Communion, another exceedingly important effect of a good confession is that it provides for a more efficacious and fervent Holy Communion. Confession and the Eucharist are intimately interconnected, the only two sacraments of the seven that can be received over and over again with much frequency. These are the only two sacraments that call us, that beckon us on a regular basis. Why? Because these are the two sustaining sacraments that support us while living out our vocation and state in life. They support our baptismal promises. These two sacraments support our matrimony. Give us a call. Give us a witness call if you return to the sacrament of confession after a several or many year lapse and let others hear your story. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. 833-288-3986. It's Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade Menezes. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. If you have a question, call 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985. Or send us an email to openline at EWTN.com. From Rome to your home, with news from EWTN's Vatican Bureau, you can watch all of the important events from Rome, and you can even do it if you don't have TV access. Using the latest technology, we've made it possible to watch the latest news from the Holy See, all delivered directly to your home via live streams. 
Watch live on EWTN YouTube and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number, 833-288-3986. First up is Rick. He's a first-time caller in Chicago, Illinois, listening on WSFI Radio. Rick, you are on with Father Wade. Hi, Father Wade. Thank hey, Rick, for thanks for your call today. Thank, thank you for everything that you do for us. Um, I wanted to bring your attention to something that I saw in our, our um, diocese newspaper, and this was in the church in, in England. It's the Church of England, and uh, the little article is about them possibly debating the introduction of a liturgy that refers to persons of the Holy Trinity in a non-gendered way instead of using male pronouns. Yeah, it's getting away from what sacred scripture as the divine word of God has revealed to us about the Trini- about the Trinitarian God. Uh, we know that Jesus, the second person of the Most Holy Trinity, made incarnate for us, uh, was was vir, V-I-R, uh, male in, in the Latin. It's where we get the, the word virtus from, or virtue from. It means power, strength, ability. It's, it's also where we get the word virtue from. So Jesus himself was vir. He, he took on a, a fully human nature, just like ours in every way but sin in the the male masculine form. Uh, that's wants to be denied by a lot of the progressives, both in Protestant Christianity and even in some circles of Catholic Christianity. Jesus also revealed the first person of the Trinity as Father, uh, precisely for us to know how to have a relationship with that first person of the Most Holy Trinity and to understand Jesus's relationship with that first person of the Trinity as the second person of the Most Holy Trinity. Three persons in one God, three divine persons in one God, one God and three divine persons, right? And then, of course, the Holy Spirit, Jesus revealed precisely as that Spirit. Now, the Church does teach, the Catholic Church does teach, Rick, as you probably are aware, that God is pure Spirit, but in his second divine personage, he took on a fully human nature, just like ours in every way but sin, and while Jesus gave us his three years of public discourse, and teaching, which appear in the four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he revealed a lot of things about not only himself, the second person of the Trinity incarnate, but he also revealed a lot about the first person, whom he called the Father, and the third person of the Trinity, whom he called the Spirit. And what the notions are, a philosophical, theological term, the notions of the Son to the Father and the Spirit, the notions of the Father to the Son and Spirit, and the notions of the Spirit to both the Father and the Son. And many of the Church Fathers took on these descriptive notions and did uh, uh, treatises of of a a vast expanse on these very topics. So, for example, uh, St. Augustine, who has the beautiful knack of giving us volumes of doctrine, in one short, pithy sentence, he says, you know, that the Holy Spirit can be described as the kiss between the Father and the Son meaning a very profound love. So there's all these imageries, there's all these analogies, but the fact remains that sacred scripture revealed the first and the second persons precisely in the masculine form, and that cannot be lost of. How, what do I drum it up to? These, such, such of these debates that are taking place in the Anglican Church? Uh, progressivism within Christianity. We're seeing it in the Church in Germany right now as well. It's, it's progressive uh, advancements. And, and thank God that we have sacred scripture, sacred tradition, and the magisterium, the teaching office of the Church, that three-legged stool to guide us in regards to the purity of the faith. 
uh, and I'm presuming you're, you're a Catholic, Rick, maybe you're not, but even if you're not, I can still say this. You know, when John Paul II um, issued the Universal Catechism of the Catholic Church in 1992, I believe we got the English version in 1993, uh, in the introduction, what's called the pre-notanda, uh, the pre-notes of the catechism at its beginning, he describes the Universal Catechism as a sure norm for the faith. Isn't that beautiful? A sure norm for the faith. And add that fact to the fact that the catechism begins by talking about the Trinity. Why? Because the whole catechism is structured on the Nicene Creed with its 40 plus truths. I believe in God, the Father, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, etc., etc. So the catechism is structured in the formation of the Nicene Creed, right? Well, the creed begins with talking about the divine persons individually, so thus does the catechism. So there's a beautiful, beautiful Trinitarian section on the catechism, and that can't be lost sight of. So that's a great place to begin to strengthen your own love for the doctrine of the Most Holy Trinity, to not let evil forces, and I am calling them evil forces, uh, pull you away from those truths. Great question, Rick. Does that kind of help you out? Oh, yeah, no, because like, it's just like every day you hear something that, that kind of beats what you heard before, the day before. And I was reading this, and I just thought I was like misreading it when I saw this. Yeah. I can't believe that these people are going that far. But it's well, just you know, to, go even, going, even going back to the Catholic Church, our own faith, uh, in the 70s and 80s, there was implementation attempted to put in gender-neutral language in, in Scripture, and of course, we got the new translation of the lectionary and the new translation of the Roman Missal back several years ago. They were, they came out several years apart. The lectionary system of the the the, the two year weekday cycle and the three year Sunday cycle, um, and then the Roman Missal apart from the lectionary. And they did a beautiful job. It ended up being a very very good translation that I think is is right on mark. So again, I think it's an example of Holy Mother Church, the Bride of Christ, that we know by her four marks, one Holy Catholic and Apostolic, which are mentioned in the Creed right? Um, we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. It, it's an, a beautiful example of Holy Mother Church, the Bride of Christ, leading her faithful in the purity of the truth with these translations of the Roman Missal and the, and the lectionary that we currently have now. And now we're waiting for the uh, the bravery, the divine office in its four volumes and single volume uh, to be issued. Uh, last I heard, we're like three years away from that, but hopefully it'll come to us a little sooner than that. So great question, Rick. Thank you so much. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. Next stop is San Diego, California. Susan is listening on Sirius XM Channel 130. Susan, thanks for holding. Welcome to the program. Oh, hi. Hi, hi, Father. Um, I have a witness about confession. Great. And um, it still kind of surprises me how I can get like emotional when I think about it, but... Um, back in the seventies, I had an abortion one year out of high school, Catholic high school, and I knew I was going to hell. And then that was that. I just knew I was going to hell. And then the seventies happened and I had subsequent abortions. And then I really was going to hell. Um, and I just stayed away and, um, I couldn't, you know, I've been, I'd gone to confession several times and I just said, no, 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 no. Three Hail Marys is going to do it, you know, for what I've done. Right. So years passed, years and years passed, and then, um, you know, I get married, and, um, well, actually, we were living together. <laughs> there you go. But we did get married, and then I had, to, our son was like eight years old, and this is, um, like, he's 20, he's 33 now. And he said, Mama, how come we don't go to church? 
And that was when it, it hit me like I could, and this is like kind of the part that's kind of, you know, a personal, like a, I believe miraculous thing. I felt like the presence of somebody behind me kind of tapping his foot saying, answer the boy. <laughs> and I, I said, well, we can go if you want to. And I had to search in my mind for an answer mm-hmm. that he would, that would cover all the bases, you know? And then we uh, went to an evangelical church for a little while and, and I knew it was ridiculous. I mean, sorry, everybody out there, but, you know, I mean, you know, he came out, but they gave me Weber's bread and a cracker and, a, and grape juice. I said it was something called communion, and I'm a oh. And then things happen. It was like when God wants you, he will drag you, pulling you back. Yeah. And we ended up in a Catholic church parking lot, and the bells are ringing, and my husband goes, well, we can. are you going to make it for your other service? And I go, no, I'll just go in here. It can't hurt. And I wasn't even to the queue yet, and they were doing the penitential prayer, and I knew I was back. And um, then boom, 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 things just keep happening and happening and happening. So I went to confession, and it was like a general confession, and it was the best thing that ever happened. And that was 25 years ago, and I've never left. One thing, Father, that's interesting was when I went to the confession and afterwards, I said, well, so Father, like, can I do anything around here to help? And he goes, well, we need a pro-life coordinator. And I was going, (laughs) "Um, uh, you know, I go, well, you know, and I told, this is a different priest. I just said, well... I don't think I can do that because of this happened. And he goes, better, that's even better. And that was that. So I've just never left. And when God, really, when he wants you, and oh, and his divine mercy. That was what I found out about, too. I was going, what's that thing, you know? And um, and the first time I did the chaplet, there was that, you know? And um, so it's been a miraculous ride. So. Well, Susan, what a great, great witness call, and I mean that. Uh, And I think your pastor was right. Your life experiences, uh, not always the best choices, are what make you the stronger person to be able to give a stronger witness. And it's a primary example, uh, Susan, of God bringing good out of an objective evil, which abortion is, and we say that aloud, and we mean it because we know it's the teachings of the Church, and we're faithful sons and daughters of the Church— it's, it's an objective evil, moral evil, abortion, and God brought good out of those uh, unfortunate life choices that you made that probably didn't have uh, much knowledge or fullness of will involved. There was a lot of fear and shame at that time in, in high school or just out of high school, and even the subsequent abortions that you mentioned, a lot of uncertainty and fear. Um, but this is how confession sets us free, right? Uh, these, these ways that I mentioned at the beginning of the show by Father Ed Broom. By the way, uh, just on your search bar, Father Ed Broom, like a, like a kitchen broom, B-R-O-O-M, uh, great writer, uh, Oblates of, of the Virgin Mary, uh, is his community. Father Ed Broom, just, just re- uh, research his name on the, on the search bar, and, and with, along with the title of the article, 10 Ways That Confession Sets Us, us Free. Ten Ways That Confession Sets Us Free, Father Ed Broom. Or go back and listen to the podcast of my springboard topic today for, uh, for this day of March 14th. But, um, you know, Susan, your, your call makes me think of the five main reasons why people stay away from confession. Fear, pride, shame, ignorance, and sadly, this one falls on the priest part, this fifth one, unavailability of the sacrament made to the public. In other words, maybe only on a Saturday for, 
for, for a half hour before the vigil mass, and that's it, you know, which is a very sad state. I was so impressed by the parish in Long Island that I preached a week-long uh, Linton Parish mission at two weeks ago, St. Martin of Tours in Bethpage, New York, on Long Island. It's one of, the, one of two parishes on all of Long Island that has daily confession, daily confession, um, Monday through Friday after the 6.30 a.m. Mass, because it's the most well-attended Mass for the workers before they go to work, and then on Saturdays at 2 p.m., and then on Sundays at 4.30 p.m. So seven days a week confession. That's what we do here at the Fathers of Mercy. Thank you, Susan, for a great witness call. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number, 833-288-3986. It's EWTN's Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade Menezes. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'd like to congratulate a couple of our longtime EWTN radio partners, Divine Mercy Apostolate in Polson, Montana, celebrating 13 years with EWTN, and Holy Spirit Radio, Dale Meyer and the whole crew uh, in uh, suburban Philadelphia, celebrating 24 years as an affiliate of EWTN. Congratulations to Sam Marshall and Polson and Dale Meyer and Frank Eliason and the whole family at Holy Family Radio from all of us here at EWTN. Um, next stop for us is Williston, North Dakota. Uh, check that. It's going to be the great state of North Carolina. And uh, JM, who's a first-time caller, is listening on Sirius XM Channel 130. JM, you are on with Father Wade. Thank you for taking my call. Hi, Father Wade. How are you today? I'm doing great, J.M. Thanks for your call today. We really appreciate it. We're getting a nice variety of, of people from different states calling in today, which is simply fantastic. Well, I'm um, calling because uh, I've been away from the Church for nearly 20 years. And um, to be honest, I, I was ashamed. And I was afraid. And... I had EWTN, I've been listening to them for quite some time, and I had, um, you know, the Lord and the Blessed Mother have been working on me for some time, and I finally had enough courage to make an appointment with my local pastor, and uh, because I knew going to confession, I was going to take up too much time. So I made an appointment with the pastor, and I sat down with him and had quite a long talk, and I made my confession, and um, it was quite an experience, and, uh, you know, he absolved me of all my sins, and, you know, obviously I had my penance to do, which I'm still doing, and uh, it was it was an unbelievable feeling, and I'm back in the church, and I feel so clean, and I feel refreshed. And I'm just so full of joy. I, I, I don't know what what else to say. I'm, well, beautiful. I just feel I feel wonderful. I well, feel wonderful, wonderful, wonderful J.M. What a great witness call yourself, like our last caller. Uh, 
giving a great witness on the fact that it's been a long time since uh, you had been to confession uh, before this week, uh, you told our call screeners. So praise God, you came back this Lent, a perfect time to come back. Uh, Lent is soon to be, latter part of this week at its halfway point. Um, and so this coming Sunday now is, is uh, the fourth Sunday of Lent, and uh, it's never, ever uh, uh, the wrong time to come back to the beautiful sacrament of conversion, sacrament of penance, sacrament of confession. Uh, never forget that. And I would like to recommend to you, J.M., that you stay faithful to confession. In fact, I don't know how a person today can advance in the spiritual life, uh, given the, 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 the climate of the culture, regardless of one's state in life and vocation, uh, unless they go to confession at the very, very least, once every eight weeks. That's once every two months, six times a year faithfully. Now, personally, I'm a big advocate of monthly confession in honor of the first Friday or the first Saturday. And as a cleric uh, or consecrated religious, I like to recommend to other clerics, diocesan or religious order, and other religious, for example, our religious sisters, I like to recommend that we go every two to three weeks. Why? Because we are on the front lines of battle, so to speak, uh, with the truths of the faith and sharing the faith with others. So we, I believe, need to go even a little, a little more often. But look, what, what's the whole goal of a frequent confession? The whole goal of a frequent confession is that your confessions will be rather short and that your confessions will only have venial sins, right? No mortal sins. <laughs> That's the goal of a frequent confession. Show me a person who goes faithfully once a month, really faithfully, and has a strong spiritual life, a strong devoted spiritual life. Chances are they won't have mortal sins to confess. It's precisely the practice of a monthly confession per se that's keeping them away from mortal sin, and that's, that's, a, that's a great, great uh, message to get out there. So, J.M., stay close to the sacrament once every eight weeks or better, huh? I really want to encourage you in that regard. God bless you, and thank you so much for uh, your call today. Next up is Nate in Williston, North Dakota, listening on Real Presence Radio. Nate, it's really your turn this time. Welcome to the program. <laughs> Hey, thanks, guys. Uh, just kind of like everybody else that I've heard here so far since I jumped into the pickup, but, uh, you know, I was away for 18 years, um, had the good basic building blocks of Catholicism, but confession was never really the, the we're going to learn how to, you know, go to confession and make it frequent. Went away from the church for 18 years, uh, finally came back, started going to Mass again, and then general confession time. I uh, didn't really know what it was, just kind of blurred everything out, and I had really kind of forgotten and lost the faith and, and had to re-catechize myself to where now I go to confession weekly. Uh, venial sins, uh, the accidental or even occasional mortal sin that, oh, I was in the wrong spot at the wrong time, to where now I go to daily Mass. Uh, I pray the Rosary every day. And going to confession as well, uh, I know, Father, you said uh, first Friday, first Saturdays. I I really picked up on that with the indulgences that come along with that, right? And about every seven days in your different indulgence prayers, the different... Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah that's right. and so I'm, I'm, I'm a lot like everybody else, and um, the more and more you do go to confession, too, I want to add, the more and more I am reluctant to want to ever keep anything away from the Lord. Um, the more I go, the more I'm forgiven, the more I do penance, the more I want to just be that much more open to the Lord, to the Blessed Virgin, um, and to all the angels and saints, and just have nothing to hide. Absolutely. So, yeah, uh, amen, Nate. Thanks, great, a, great, 
great program, guys. Thank you, Nate, and thank you for your great witness call, especially a, a great call that I hope a lot of other men, a lot of other males out there hear. I think it's an important one. And yes, Nate, you are absolutely correct in that um, one sacramental confession suffices for several, is the word that's used, several daily plenary indulgences that are sought by the individual by carrying out a certain spiritual work, not for the work itself, but for the charity it helps prosper, right? And indulgence is the remission before God of the temporal punishment due to sin, whose guilt has already been forgiven in the sacrament of confession. A properly disposed member of the Christian faithful can obtain an indulgence under certain prescribed conditions through the help of the church, which, as the minister of redemption, dispenses and applies with her authority the treasury of the satisfactions of merits of both Christ and the saints. And the saints, of course, have their merits precisely through Christ. Uh, an indulgence is partial if it removes part of the temporal punishment due to sin, or it is plenary if it removes all punishment, temporal punishment due to sin, of the already forgiven mortal and venial sin. So yes, one sacramental confession uh, suffices for several plenary indulgences sought several days in a row by carrying out a certain spiritual work on those individual days. Uh, and, and I really want to encourage my listeners to get the Book of Indulgences, Norms and Grants. Book of Indulgences, Norms and Grants. Uh, your local Catholic bookstore will, will have it. I found out that EWTNRC does not carry it. So search for it online from a local Catholic vendor. Hopefully you'll, you'll have somebody that carries it in your area and have it shipped to your home. Uh, it really should be a strong part of your spiritual life, the seeking out of the plenary and partial indulgences. You know, our Lord left everything to his bride, the church. The treasury of merits he won from the cross, he left to his bride, the church, to freely dispense of as she sees fit through her magisterial authority. Look at it this way, my friends. A husband dies, right? And instead of leaving uh, his entire estate to several people or a good handful of people, he leaves everything in his estate to one person and one person only, his bride, with the stipulation that she then has full authority to dispense of the treasury of merits of that estate as she sees fit. And that's exactly what the indulgence doctrine is through the church's magisterial teaching from her bridegroom, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who won this treasury of merits from us through the Paschal Mystery, from the cross, his passion, death, resurrection, and ascension to heaven. That's what indulgences are all about. And uh, we have a duty as, as, as faithful Roman Catholics to give the purity, the absolute purity of the doctrine of indulgences to others. So, uh, Nate, great, great witness call, and I'm so glad you mentioned that you are uh, uh, doing frequent confessions precisely to provide you with the opportunity for several indulgences on a continuum uh, from each individual sacramental confession done about once a week or so. Uh, wonderful, wonderful spiritual program, and I commend you on that. God bless you, Nate. Uh, we head next to the great state of Michigan. Joe is listening to Ave Maria Radio. Joe, you're on with Father Wade. Joe, Hello? are you there? Oh, yeah, go right ahead, Joe. Yeah, I'm here. I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. Go right ahead. Okay. Um, I I have seven children, and I have a I think I have a problem with scrupulosity because I I do do frequent confession, but I I don't feel sometimes that I have the grace to stop a certain sin um, after which I'm supposed to be given grace, especially at this time during Lent, even more to help out with certain sins. 
and I, my priest tells me, well, you're being scrupulous um, on certain things and, and stop being so hard on yourself. And I know the church, I know the faith, I haven't missed Mass in 20 years. I just, I don't know why I'm feeling so scrupulous and not getting the peace I'm supposed to get after and, and continue to do God's will. Okay, great, great uh, statements and stated very well on, on, on what you're, you're suffering from, and, and that's not too strong of a word, because scrupulosity can be a, a very harming reality for an individual who suffers from it. It sounds like what you might want to do is find a good, solid spiritual director to talk these things out. And remember, uh, a spiritual director, Joe, does not per se have to be a priest. A confessor has to be a priest. But a spiritual director does not have to be a priest. I've said before on Open Line Tuesday, I've met throughout my years of preaching on the road for the Fathers of Mercy, many great qualified Catholic men and women who are licensed psychologists, who practice the faith lovingly and dearly. They understand, for example, the importance of the sacramental economy of the Church. They understand the importance of frequent confession, frequent Eucharist, etc., to feed their sacrament of matrimony, to feed their singlehood, to feed their clerical state, and, and, and whatever. They understand, and, and quite often these individuals will give um, part of their time to their local parish where they attend to, to serve as a spiritual director, which helps alleviate some of the work of the pastor or associate pastor there at the parish. He can focus more on confessions per se, while these uh, lis- licensed clinicians and in, in psych- in, in psychologists, or, or uh, uh, yeah, psychologists, uh, take on office hours to act as, as spiritual directors there at the parish. The parish might even supply them with an office. So that's something you might want to look at, you know, in your area. And it doesn't have to be your own parish. It could be a neighboring parish that this might be able to be had, or maybe there's just a good practicing Catholic clinician in your area, in town, with their office in town that you can set up a, an, a, a half-hour appointment with once every six weeks, and kind of talk this out. Uh, scrupulosity, not always, but often, can, can uh, date back to some childhood wounds or be linked to some childhood wounds, maybe a demanding parent or something like that. One thing I'd like to recommend to you, though, Joe, is to go to fathersofmercy.com, uh, my community here in Kentucky, the Fathers of Mercy. Go to fathersofmercy.com, and on the search bar there that comes up in the middle of the homepage after clicking on the magnifying glass in the upper right-hand corner icon there, the magnifying glass, type in on the search bar, uh, Ten Commandments Scrupulosity. Ten Commandments Scrupulosity. And a document will come up uh, that I wrote that Father Mitch Pacwa helped me fine-tune. It's titled, Ten Commandments for Those Who Might Struggle with Scrupulosity. And uh, I think it'll help you out a lot. Also, uh, you mentioned addiction. You know, this is where we need to understand that confession and the words of absolution, indeed, like you imply, they don't function as a magic wand. Uh, you know, somebody confesses alcoholism and they receive the words of absolution at the end of that confession where they confess three times of, of uh, a drunken bout in the last month. The words of absolution do not cure them from their alcoholism. No, not at all. They still have the propensity to their alcoholism. What confession does do is give the penitent who's confessed the three times falling into a drunken state this last month, since their last confession, it gives that alcoholic penitent the moral certitude of faith, 
the moral certitude of faith that they are now back operative in a state of sanctifying grace, which makes them an actual participator in God's own divine life with the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit and the 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit, to now begin practicing those seven gifts and 12 fruits and advancing in virtue to overcome the alcoholism. So for example, they never had the courage before to enroll in AA, but now after several confessions of confessing their alcoholism, they now advance, begin to advance slowly but surely in the, the Holy Spirit's gift of fortitude, courage, to now have the courage to officially enroll in AA, something they never wanted to do before because they were embarrassed if family members found out or if their coworkers or colleagues found out that they were going to AA meetings. They'd be horrified by that truth if their loved ones found out about it or coworkers found out about it. But lo and behold, after several confessions, uh, they, they gained the courage, one of the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, to enroll in AA, and that's a beautiful thing. This is why the nine chief benefits of partaking frequently, Joe, in the sacrament of penance is that self-knowledge is increased, um, lukewarmness is overcome in the spiritual life, the will is strengthened, sanctifying grace is increased, the conscience is purified, uh, more rapid growth and virtue takes place, humility grows, uh, bad habits are assisted in being overcome, and greater self-control is achieved in daily living. We get those nine chief benefits uh, from partaking frequently in the sacrament of penance, especially from Pope Pius Twelfth and now Pope St. Paul VI. Uh, again, conscience is purified, grace is increased, the will is strengthened, self-knowledge is increased, more rapid growth in virtue takes place, humility grows, bad habits are assisted in being overcome, a spirit of lukewarmness or mediocrity, we could say, is assisted in being overcome, and greater self-control is achieved in daily living, right? So these are things never to be forgotten of by a frequent confession. Now that said, if, if a frequent confession is being fed only, only by scruples or scrupulosity, that's not healthy either. And that's where a good spiritual director and a good confessor and their combined work with you helps lead the soul away from the scrupulosity. Father Mitch Pacwa defines scruples or scrupulosity as seeing sin where there is no sin, or seeing mortal sin when in reality it's only venial sin, or seeing venial sin when in reality it's only a daily fault or weakness, right? It's not even a venial sin, it's just a daily fault. So this is why I think the Church's teaching on what constitutes a mortal sin is purposely short and to the point. Grave matter, done with fullness of knowledge that it's grave matter, and done with deliberate consent of your will. Grave matter, fullness of knowledge, and done with deliberate consent of your will. If any one of those three is missing, you have a venial sin, right? So indeed, don't be too hard on yourself. Uh, but at the same time, you want to overcome the habitual sin in your life. Great, great uh, witness call, Joe. Thank you so much uh, for, for having the courage, the courage today to call in and give such a great witness. We really, really appreciate it. I'm going to offer my Vespers tonight in the Chapel of Divine Mercy here at the Fathers of Mercy in Auburn, Kentucky. Go online and look at the beautiful pictures of our chapel. I'm going to offer my Vespers tonight for all those who called in today or who uh, texted or emailed us today. Uh, at YouTube or Facebook. God bless you all. I'm going to offer Vespers tonight for all of you. We've been bringing you the Holy Mass from Our Lady of the Angels Chapel right here in beautiful Irondale, Alabama for over 30 years. Check it out, 8 a.m. Eastern Time every morning right here on EWTN Radio. And you can hear a rebroadcast of that Mass every two hours on EWTN 
Radio Essentials, and you can find that at EWTNRadio.net. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number, 833-288-3986. Irene is in the great state of Nebraska, listening on Sirius XM Channel 130. Irene, you are on with Father Wade. Father Wade, um, I have a question. I live in a senior complex. I'm at 84. Uh, We have no Catholic services here. I address this to a priest, uh, but he says due to the shortage of priests, this was an impossibility to get one here, even to hear confessions. Um, I do not drive, but he said I make a perfect act of Any sins would be forgiven, even mortal sins. Well, my problem is, I was raised in the Catholic orphanage. I was always told if we committed a mortal sin, we are going to hell. So I'm more afraid of going to hell than hurting somebody I've never met in person. Okay, so uh, are, are you asking how to make a perfect act of contrition? Uh, I know how to make a perfect act of contrition. You have to not want to hurt God, but is it possible for me do not want to hurt somebody I've never met, never known. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. This is this is where charity comes in—the greatest of all virtues, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. The New Testament tells us. So, y- your goal is—and if I can be quite frank, your goal is also not to hurt yourself. You have to love yourself, right? Otherwise, you cannot give to another what you don't first possess. How are we supposed to love others if we don't love ourselves? People who are so wounded from something of their background, for example. So we need to love God and neighbor. It's interesting that the first uh, three of the Ten Commandments have to do with love of God, right, Irene? And the remaining seven, the remaining seven have to do with love of neighbor. What do you think of that? Everybody out there listening right now, what do you think of that? The majority of the Ten Commandments from God don't even have to do with loving God. The majority of the Ten Commandments have to do with loving neighbor, beginning with Commandment 4, honor thy father and thy mother. Because guess what? They're not only your parents, they're also your fellow human being. And we're called to love our fellow human being. So we need to love God and neighbor. And the, the, the first three of the commandments show us of the importance of the love of God, and the remaining seven show us the importance of love and neighbor. But we can't do any of those ten if we don't first love ourselves and the love, of our, uh, the, the love of the life that God has given each one of us and try to live the best version of that life. Uh, if I were you, Irene, I'm going to add this. It, uh, I think that priest, uh, and I don't know the whole story, so please don't get me wrong on that, but I think that priest gave you a rather weak answer. I think that if he can't do it, he should try to find an, another area priest who he can give your information to so that you can receive confession and Eucharist at the very least once a month. And if not from a priest for the Eucharist, at least a properly deputed Eucharistic minister. Now, for your monthly confession, yes, it would have to be a priest, no doubt. But for your monthly Eucharist, it could be a priest, a deacon, or a properly deputed, where we get the word deputy from, think of a sheriff's deputy, deputy, he's, he's deputed by the sheriff, uh, a, a properly deputed layperson who's an EMC, an extraordinary minister of communion, uh, and sanctioned as such, and they can come give you the Eucharist once a month. So uh, I would, if, that, if you met a brick wall from that one priest who said he couldn't do it, 
then I would call around other parishes or even a neighboring diocese to see what you can do to receive those two sacraments, which are the only two we can receive over and over and over again with much frequency, to receive them both, Irene, at least, at least once a month, um, at least the Eucharist once a month, and then you continue to make that frequent and fervent, perfect act of contrition daily, and you have every reason to be at peace, every reason to be at peace. Thank you so much, Irene, for a great, great witness call yourself today. Thank you. Irene, are you on the Internet? Uh, no, I'm on my phone or my cell phone. Right, but do you have do you have access to the internet? Do you use the internet at all? Yes. If you'll do us an internet search for Spirit Catholic Radio in Omaha, and if you'll call those folks, uh, they are connected with people throughout the state of Nebraska, and I'm sure that they can find uh, a diocesan or a religious order priest that could make uh, their way to your location uh, on occasion. To yeah. I'm sure you get requests like this, Father Wade. Oh, yeah, no, no doubt. And, and that's a great, great suggestion, uh, Jack. Spirit Catholic Radio in that area of the, of the heartland is, is fantastic. Very quickly, we'll head to Tom in Seattle, Washington, listening on Sacred Heart Radio. Tom, just a couple minutes left with Father Wade. What's your story? Hi, can you hear me okay? Loud and clear. Okay, great. Um, oh, I wish I had more time. This is a wonderful show. Thank you both for everything you do. So my story, I went to... Uh, uh, Jesuit High School, lost my faith there, as so many of us did. I'm not blaming the Jesuits. I graduated in 1968, so the whole world, including the Church, was in upheaval. Didn't seriously practice my faith until I was 60 years old, when mm-hmm. I got exposed to the traditional Latin Mass, a, a, a group of FSSP priests came and started a parish in Seattle, and... Um, I, I could tell you some of the details, but we don't have time. But as a result of being involved in that parish, um, I, I went from going to confession once every five or ten years to going, well, as, as needed, up to once a week, but currently about every two to three weeks. Great. And it is uh, a tremendous blessing. Beautiful, Tom. Beautiful. Thank you so much for that great call. We appreciate it. And, real, well, we're actually just flat out of time. Christine, I am so sorry. If you want to give us a call back on another program, we would be happy to take your call. But, unfortunately, we have run out of time today. Uh, Father Wade, where can they find more about the Fathers of Mercy? At fathersofmercy.com. Would you leave us with a blessing? I certainly will, Jack. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon all of our Open Line Tuesday listeners this day and always, especially during the season of Lent, St. Joseph, Terror of Demons. Pray for us on behalf of our host, Father Wade Menezes, our celebrity producer, Mr. Ace McKay, our call screener, Matt Kubensky, and our social media maven, Mr. Charles Beery. I'm Jack Williams. Thanks so much for tuning in. Back at it tomorrow with Father Mitch on EWTN's Open Line Wednesday. Until we get together then, God bless.